Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Morning Inspirations. Let's give God some praise this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the very breath that we're breathing right now. We come boldly to the throne with thanksgivings in our mouth and praises out of our mouth, oh Heavenly Father. We thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy because we know that it is new every single day of our lives, Father God. We thank you this morning, Father God, for your blessings, Father God, for waking us up, Father God, breathing your breath in our bodies, oh Father God. We thank you this morning for every working limb and every beating heart. Father God, that's in the earshot, Father God, of this prayer, our Heavenly Father. Father God, let those that have ears hear, oh Father God. Let them keep their eyes on the kingdom of heaven, oh Father God, and let them stay steadfast in your word on this day, oh Heavenly Father. You said in your mouth, Father God, that you wish above all things for us us good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, Father God. And we thank you this morning, Father God, for all that you've done for us and all that you will do for us, Father God. We know that your love is everlasting on this day, Father God. So as we prepare our day today, Father God, to go out, Father God, to do the things that you have have for us to do on this day, Father God, let our hearts be filled with joy, our minds clear Father God, let us go at the task with clear minds, sound hearts, and bodies, oh Heavenly Father. We lift up our family and our friends to you on this day, Father God. Put your hedge of protection around and about them on this day, Father God. Make their crooked path straight, Father God. Bring them out of the dark into the light, oh Father God, and let their lamp shine so ever brightly, Father God, as we know that you can, oh Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we just bless your name this morning and everything, Father God. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Hallelujah to your name because we know that you are worthy to be praised, oh Father God. We thank you this morning for being able to abide under your shadow, Father God. We thank you this morning for your covering and being able to have a seat at your table on this day, oh Father God. We thank you, Father God, that you bless us, Father God, with faith as small as a mustard seed on this day, Father Father God, as we go forth, Father God, on this day, Father God, continue to walk with us, talk to us, Father God. Let us hear that small, still voice that whispers inside of us, Father God. Let the words of your daily bread be etched across the tables of our hearts, O Heavenly Father. Let us rejoice in this day that you have made. We just bless your name right now, Heavenly Father. Thank you for our friends and our family and our enemies too, oh Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we know that you go before us and prepare a table for us, but not just for us, Heavenly Father, but in the presence of our enemies and you anoint our head with oil, Father God. Father God, on this day, Father God, give us the grace and the wisdom that you have given to Solomon, oh Heavenly Father. Give us the obedience that you have given to Abraham, O Father. Heavenly Father, we ask right now in the name of Jesus, Father God, that we will run for you like David, O Father. Give us the courage, O Father, to walk boldly, Father God, in this day today, Father God, with your name on our lips, Father God. Let us not deny you before any man or any woman, O Heavenly Father, because you, we know that you don't deny us on this day, Father God. We thank you in advance for the things that 
you're about to do in our lives and all the things that you've already done, Father God. We thank you, Father God, on this day, Father God, for carrying us all the way. In Jesus' name, Father God, we know that it is done because we have sealed it in your name today, Father God. We plead the blood over our lives, over our finances, over our family and friends on this day. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. So guys, let's jump right into today's reading, what I am reading for today. We are over in Exodus, and we have just come out where we, um, the Israel, Israel's people have shown their self mighty, and they exceedingly are growing over in Egypt. And the new king is not happy with the fact that they are growing mightier and stronger on each day. So when we left off, we covered a little bit in chapter one, and we're gonna cover a little bit in chapter two today, and we're gonna be on our way. So chapter two starts off like this, and I am reading today out of my new King James Bible, and it reads as this. As a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi, and a man of the house of Levi went and took as a, as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bull brushes, brushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it and laid it in the in the reeds by the river's bank. I can't talk this morning, guys. And his sister stood far afar off to know what would be done with him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is the one of the Hebrew children. Then the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and the nurse and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. He said to one, who did the wrong? Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who, then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. 
When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. We're going to stop right there. That's chapter 2, verse 1 through 15, and we're going to get a little explanation on this matter on this day. So in the beginning, we know that back then, as we came out of chapter one on Monday, that the new king, so full of himself and greedy with power, he saw that the Egyptians were growing mightier in numbers, and he felt as though that if they grew too large in Egypt, that they would come up against his kingdom and the Egyptians in the kingdom, especially if war was to take place with one of their enemies. So he said to himself, let us deal with them wickedly. So he sent out taskmasters to do just that, to make their labor long, their wages short, tax them, tax them, tax them. When he seen that this still did not work, he also went on to the midwives. Hey, look, when you're helping these Hebrew women have their babies on their birthing stool, if it comes out to be a male, then kill the male and keep the daughter. The midwives fear God so. They did not follow what the king's orders was at that particular time. And I would, I would be the same way. I would, I would, I got a fear of God. I got a love for God, but I got a fear of God not doing the things that he wants us to do. So I would have felt the same way. So when this happened, as the, my Bible tells me, the midwives did not do as the king said, and God dealt with them well. The people still grew. Israel people still grew. And it came to pass that because of the actions of the midwives, that God made them a house. So they were still helping the Israel women. They were still helping them. They were still allowing these young men and women to see the light of day because of their fear for the Lord. And I can imagine if we go back because of God walking with Joseph and how mighty Joseph was in his time, how he dealt with the people fairly and brought them up out of that phantom that they went through. His people, the Egyptian people, he had a good standing for him. And that's because because he let God precede him and everything that he did. Much like today, as followers of Christ, if we allow God to precede us in everything that we do, he will give you insight and directive. So, with this being said, it appears that later on, my Matthew Henry tells me, that Moses will lead his people out of Egypt from under Pharaoh's thumb. Moses 
Let's get a little get a little bit into him. When Pharaoh's daughter was bathing, she saw him in the bushes near the river. Back in that day, as it was a custom, my Bible tells me that his mother and father took him out after three months I've hiding considered him just fair. However, back in that time, his parents considered him to be a, a beautiful child. And with this law in place, knowing that Pharaoh and his people would kill every male child, under great anxiety and distress, his mother decides at this point she can no longer hide him, and she's going to go ahead and set him out by the river. She sent out his sister Miriam to watch and see what would happen to the child. I can't imagine putting that burden on my children, but this was what my Bible tells me. Now you have to back up a little bit. When these two people married, both of them was from the house of Levi. If you can remember, Jacob had left the house of Levi under marks of disgrace. So these two coming together and making this beautiful child would have been considered not a great thing. But then they had something else to contend with. They had to contend with the fact that this new king didn't want any male children to see the light of day in his reign. Only the women. So it had to be difficult. My Bible tells me when she sent him out to this river or placed him in the bushes by the river that his sister laid in wait to see what was to happen of her baby brother. Miriam and Aaron were born before Moses. So I imagine they were already into their young adulthood. And this is just my mind. Because my Matthew Henry tells me that when the Bible says they considered him the the King James Version says that he was considered a goodly child to his parents. The new King James called him beautiful. But with him being born at the time where Pharaoh's cruelty was at an all-time high, Moses' mothers probably had high anxiety about one whether she was going to have a boy or a girl because back in those days they didn't have ultrasounds so that they, you could figure out what the sex of the child was going to be. And when it came out a boy, I can imagine she couldn't bring herself to kill her child. It says they hit, that they hid him for three months. So when the daughter of Pharaoh came along to wash herself by the river where Moses was, as her maidservants was walking, she saw the ark that Moses was put in. 
and she asked her maid servants to fetch it for her. And the story goes, as she looked down at the weeping child, my Matthew Henry tells me that you can imagine that Moses was crying, being the beautiful child that he was, probably hungry. We don't know how long that he was out there. So she had compassion for him. A compassion that would ultimately deliver Israel out of the hands of Pharaoh, her father. With Miriam standing there, God uses people for his glory. I'm always reminded from my older Christian in my life that anything that you ask for, God will do it for you. It would not come in your time, but in his time. The Bible says he is not a man that he should lie. So when you ask it for him, for anything, he will do it. He will do it in his time. Especially if it's good for you. Sometimes we can ask for things that we don't rightfully know that's good for us. But it's a need at the time or perhaps a want. We can pray about it and feel like our prayers are not being answered. But God knows what's right and what's best for us. He's a just God. He's a merciful God. And he loves us so. Remind yourself daily of the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same covenant that is bestowed on us today. So in this second chapter, I see God's glory, but I also see his grace. Miriam stood there and Pharaoh's daughter. I'm imagining, my Bible doesn't say this, my Matthew Henry doesn't say this, but she just lumped her in with one of her maidservants. Why would they say that her maidservants was walking by the river as Miriam stood far off to see what happened to the child? It also says that Pharaoh's daughter spotted the ark, not her maidservants. And she told her maidservants to fetch it for her. And when she looked down at the child, as imagining that he is beautiful, like his parents thought he was, and with him wailing and crying and looking up at her, it pierced her heart and she had compassion. So Miriam, being wise, sprung into action. Should I go and fetch a Hebrew nurse for you? Note, my Matthew Henry says, should I go and fetch a Hebrew nurse for you? And she told her, go. So what God placed in Miriam, she wants, and told her mother. 
The Pharaoh's daughter wants a Hebrew nurse to nurse this child. So you got the best of both worlds. The mother does not lose her son's life, although eventually he will be raised full-time by Pharaoh's daughter. My Matthew Henry tells me that Pharaoh's daughter was an only child, and she adopted Moses. So I imagine her father gave his daughter, as most fathers do, what their little hearts desire, if it's going to make them feel good. In this act, you also see God's plan unfold to deliver his people from Egypt. A bunch of people that was in Egypt due to Joseph anyway in the phantom and had good years there. They didn't know that a king would come up on the scene after Joseph died and went enslaved and put them in bondage. But God knew. God knows all. When he says in his word, I know every strand of hair on your head. I knew you when you were formed in your mother's womb. You best believe that. But we will be tested. Just like back in Matthew. When he broke the bread. When he blessed it and broke it. Looked up to the heavens. Blessed and broke the bread. But before that, he asked one of his disciples. One of his disciples said to him, send the multitudes away so they can go buy food. And he said, no, why send them away? Feed them. He was testing that disciple to see where his heart was at. He already knew what he was going to do. When he looked up to the heavens, he gave it over to his father. He looked up. He blessed it. And he broke it. And everybody ate. And fragments was left over. Offer five loaves of bread and two fish. So can you imagine he didn't know that what was going to happen here? The cruelty in some people's hearts. As it is still today. And yes, good people go through bad things. Bad people go through bad things. But he can deliver us, as he did with Moses right here. Anybody else could have came across Moses, my Matthew Henry tells me. But it was Pharaoh's daughter. This is God, his glory, her compassion. She takes in a child that is eventually, in my own words, is going to wreak havoc in Pharaoh's land and his kingdom. And God is going to use this man to deliver his people out of Pharaoh's hand. So little did she know that possibly some would say she was feeding and clothing and educating the enemy of her father. God knew. And Miriam when we read this story, we don't recognize Moses. We recognize a lot of things, but a lot of things are centered around Moses, Moses, Moses. And it may just be me. I can't speak for everyone. But when I picked up this tidbit 
because as I'm studying the Bible, I found out that Miriam and Aaron was born before Moses and that Miriam, his sister, stood afar and God placed it in her to talk to Pharaoh's daughter. She ran to get her mother. Her mother ends up nursing Moses and getting paid to nurse her own child. Even though eventually he would grow up in Pharaoh's house. She still got to spend time with her child. But Miriam played a major part by springing into action with her quick thinking. That, I thought, was very clever. As Moses gets older, he is educated with the fine education that they receive at that time under the Egyptians. And God is preparing him to use him unbeknownst to Moses. But Moses do know and he recognized something's just not right. The burdens that's being placed on people that looks just like him. His brethren. So what he thought that he was doing only turns around to bite him. His Hebrew brothers know this great sin that he has done. And he flees. He flees out of fear because God has not revealed any of his plan to him yet. And we as people, we do the same thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We do the same thing. I know I have been known a time or two to make some hasty decisions in survivor mode. A lot of single parents or mother and fathers. I only can talk about it from a single parent point of view because that's all I know. But being in survivor mode, sometimes we do desperate things instead of taking it to God and leaving it there. A wise woman said to me this week as we were studying, I'm in a whole nother study when I'm not on here. And we're in Matthew. And we all heard the breaking, the blessing of the bread, the, the, the multitudes of 5,000 that Jesus fed with the five loaves and the two fish. But it was explained to me in another way that I could look at it. He looked to the heavens. He blessed it. And then he broke it. He went to God first. He didn't try to tackle it himself as we do. And then he blessed it as we should do. Be thanking God after we take all of our needs to God. And leave it right there. Because God will provide. He said it in his word. Oh, ye of little faith. In my studies, I've also 
been looking at pictures, trying to get in my imagination what I'm reading, the arts, tabernacle, all that good stuff. But I looked up the mustard seed, as I don't use them in my cooking. And I can imagine they've changed over the years. So I wanted to see. And it is so small. It reminded me of the specks that we have in the corner of our eyes when we wake up in the morning, or even smaller. And I said, wow. God wants us to have faith that small. When we walk around and say things that we've heard our parents say for years, but not quite understanding what we're saying. When you do decide to do your own investigation, you realize a whole new world opens up. For years, being growing up, In a Christian family, I've heard little sayings, and I walk around saying them in my 20s, in my 30s, not realizing what I was saying until now. Continue to let God be the permanent fixture in your life. Take every day one step at a time. He said in his word, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today being the best person you can be, and taking everything that you have to your Heavenly Father. Pray about it once and continue to go on and thank Him for it. He doesn't need a reminder. And besides that fact, He knows what you need before you need it. He's just waiting for you to come humbly and ask Him. Come boldly to the throne and cast all your burdens on Him. So, take that with you today on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Be blessed in all that you do. If you can't do anything else, a kind word goes a long way, but a hot meal goes even further. Bless somebody today if it's in your means. Bless somebody today if it is in your means. Until Friday, if it be in God's will, we'll see you right back here. Peace and blessings to you all.